is P.S. Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And I'm Shelby, and I'm here with Matt. Yes, we're back to talk about Brad Pitt and outer space. Yes. What could be better? <laughs> I'm actually excited about this. I We both saw it, like, I don't know, offhand or something, and we realized we had this gap this week because we hadn't planned on doing anything yet. And I was like, well, it's a little late, but we should talk about this sad man in space movie. Yeah. And it fits because, you know, last year about around this time, we talked about first man. So, you know, we need to get our sad man in space uh, (laughs) fixing. And for whatever reason, this time of year, there's like dead weekends where nothing came out this weekend in theaters, except for Judy, the Renee Zellweger, Judy Garland movie, which like, whatever we'll probably end up talking about at some point but looks super boring and is getting bad reviews and then abominable which is like a yeti movie which i swear there's been 40 of those already (laughs) like how many movies about the yeti can can there be that's true i think everyone's just like this is the moment where it's like it's not a summer flick anymore but everyone wants to wait to get closer to like the oscar moment so yeah it's just a weird lull in movie releases so I went and saw it this weekend. And while I was sitting there in the theater, you know, they at AMC, they play 700 trailers. And this trailer <laughs> started to play. Oh, no. And I didn't know what it was. It, like, wasn't for a movie that I, like, recognized. And, and Ray Fiennes was in it. Uh, Voldemort, for those of you yeah. who may not know him. Uncultured but otherwise, swan. there was, like, nobody yeah. recognizable. And it was just all of these, like cool shirtless knife fighting scenes and Rasputin with like a long sword and people uh, like fighting in wartime ditches and just all kinds of, of very awesome looking action scenes. And I was like, what is this movie? I am so excited for whatever this is going to be. Like, please be good. <laughs> and then the last scene of the trailer happens and the car pulls up like an old timey kind of like British looking car pulls up. Ray Fiennes gets out of the car with this young guy and it's like, there's a secret society and the shot pans around in there in front of the Kingsman store. And it's a <laughs> Kingsman friggin' prequel. And I was like, yes, yes. I love that first movie. This looks so good. I, I am just so excited. And I hope that they've learned from their mistakes in that abominable second movie that oh, I you not like don't it? even want to remember. Oh, interesting. No. Did you I like you that did. one? I haven't seen any the of them. I've got to be oh. honest. I just don't. I don't. Shelby! It's not capturing my. Shelby. When you texted and you're like, we have to do a review on Kingsman, I was like, Ugh, fine, Matt. I'll give you this. It's almost your birthday. Like, whatever. You would really like the first one. <laughs> Maybe I I don't I'll probably like the first one more than this one cuz this is like you said it's a prequel and so it's set in in olden days in yonder times and I just like you know period pieces and I don't know. <laughs> the first one is so good. It's like has so many great action scenes in it yeah. and there's a there's like a couple very strong female characters <laughs> in it that are in the like um you know the action right. it's about like a training program and they're right. in it and they're really great and killer yeah. and they're not just there to be love interests it's mm-hmm, like all mm-hmm. it's very well done the sofia butella is in it as the baddest henchman that the world has ever seen (laughs) also samuel l jackson is in it doing like a weird lisp and he's a funny bad guy and mr darcy is in it from your beloved pride and prejudice uh... bbc thing (laughs) 
like Shelby, watch this right, right, movie. Right. Okay, but let's go back to the King's Man, which oh, is yes. the okay. name of the mm-hmm. trailer, the, yes, tie- the, the prequel. prequel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually I saw a different trailer than you, I guess, because when you said like, oh, let's talk about this, I just watched one. And it starts with that scene that you saw at the end. And so I was really confused how you didn't put it together that it was Kingsman. (laughs) But it all makes sense now. You saw some sort of teaser, which probably was more fun than the actual trailer, which seemed to give a lot away. Yeah, I watched the actual trailer then as well. And it has a lot of the cool scenes, but it's like set up in a very different way. Um, It's sort of weird, though, for a movie that is based on such a big franchise that did so well. And the last movie, you know, had Jeff Bridges and Halle Berry and Channing Tatum and Colin Firth, like all kinds of big people. And then this one really has nobody. It has Voldemort. (laughs) It has um, one of the Bond girls uh, from like six movies a year. Yeah, Yeah. I mean her. But like she's not necessarily like an A-lister. Yeah, I know. I just loved Prince of Persia. She was in Prince of Persia. (laughs) Yeah. That's a feel-good movie. You loved Prince of Persia? Oh, of course I did. Are you kidding me? Jake Gyllenhaal, Jimma Archerton, like Egypt stuff. I don't know. Not Egypt stuff, but I like that sort of period piece that's just like outrageously not realistic. I'm all for that. Kingsman is great. It's also not realistic. Yeah. (laughs) Rasputin with his friggin' saber. You're right. Well, I might give it a chance, but I noticed a few faces. There was also... Um, the like mystical sword fighter, the black man is in a couple things and he always plays that sort of character, I feel like. So maybe this will be the one that gives him his big break finally. <laughs> I'm Googling who this person is. Just a second. I want to say he was in The Island, which is another... Oh my gosh, Matthew Good is in this? Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Taylor Johnson? Stanley Tucci? Where was he in this trailer? Well, maybe he's to come. They didn't Did really show Stanley the villain. Oh, Jaiman Hansu. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's who you're talking yeah. about. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it looks fine if you're a fan of the franchise. I it, were you So you hadn't known that there was a prequel coming out? I knew that there was one oh, that was okay. like in the works, but I didn't realize that it was coming out so soon. And I also right. didn't remember who was in it. Okay. So when I was watching the trailer, I was like, what is this? And then it got <laughs> to the end and I was like, oh, you started this crying is this is. and fist pumping mm-hmm. yeah, the air, shaking uh-huh. the people next to you like, do you know yes. what this means? Oh, well, this is the return to glory for this <laughs> franchise after a disastrous second movie. <laughs> Was it an ill-received second movie? I thought it did okay. I think it did okay. I just... The first one is phenomenal. Like, in top 20 favorite movies of all time. And the second one just did not deliver in a variety of different ways. Okay, okay. Well, I'm happy for you. This looks like it might be your thing. Like, the real kick-ass girl from the first one who's, like, BFFs with Taron Edgerton gets killed off in, like the first five minutes of the second one. And it's like, well, that was the man, best character. not fridging. Yeah, why do they do that, man? I don't know. You know what else? Sherlock did that with, um, with the, what's her name? Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams? Yeah. yeah. I don't why understand Why do they take that? Why? I don't know. Men. Mm. Yeah. Me- that's <laughs> but, very true. Men. Yeah. <laughs> Ruined it Let's for us. Let's get into the feature presentation because this is one I'm curious, you know, Ad Astra, Brad Pitt coming off of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which you loved. How did you feel? And First Man, you loved that. So another sad space movie. 
How did you feel about this? Oh, yeah. This one just checked like all of the boxes that I am looking for in a movie. Yeah, it was basically first man, but like souped up a little bit in the sci-fi dynamic. Brad Pitt, for those of you who did not see this, plays an astronaut. Well, is he an astronaut? It takes place place sort of in the nebulous future. And so space travel is a lot more casual. And so he is some sort of space man. But it's not like an astronaut in the sense that we know it, where they travel to the far and wides of the universe. Right. But his father is like an actual astronaut, astronaut, Mm -hmm. who was sent like out to Neptune 20 years ago to look for extraterrestrial life and try to figure things out. And now there's these weird power surges that are coming back and killing people on Earth and the moon and Mars where we have like colonies. And these surges appear to be coming from the father played by Tommy Lee Jones's like spaceship out (laughs) in Neptune. And so they Mm -hmm. decide they're going to try to use Brad Pitt to send a message to the dad to get the dad to either like stop the power surges or they don't really <laughs> know what's happening. Clear. So just to yeah. like communicate with him. Mm-hmm. And so Brad Pitt is doing this, but Brad Pitt is like emotionally repressed. So there's a lot of that first man, like emotional yeah, repression. daddy issues. Yeah. Lots of just like beautiful shots of spaceships and people floating through space and the moon and people going around Mars, all set to this beautiful score. Like I could just watch those kind of like Mm -hmm. sci-fi shots like all day long. And then on top of it, there were some interesting, there were, there were a lot of like fun kind of creative action sequences throughout. Mm -hmm. And then I thought the end had a lot of really good emotional payoff. So I was, I was invested in the whole thing. I Mm -hmm. loved it. Mm-hmm. I w- as I was sitting there, I was like, this could go one of two ways for Shelby because <laughs> I could see her hating it passionately, and but I could also see her kind of liking it. So I don't know. Where did no, you No, I actually, I really liked it. I think I had some issues with it that was shared by a few different critics too, which was just like, it kind of lost its, it, it couldn't find its fitting as either an action sort of sci-fi flick or this more contemplative metaphysical solo film it kind of like shifted gears halfway through the movie for me. And so I did kind of get flustered with some of the cliche-ness of it. But all in all, like, honestly, like skipping ahead, this is a movie you should see in theaters just because it is a gorgeous film. Like, this is like reminiscent of Gravity or Interstellar, even where you just have these unreal shots that are just insane like the opening of the movie alone which takes place with him sort of in on this huge telescope in the in earth i don't know just floating slightly above earth and then he there's just this disaster sequence that is just breathtaking and just shocking to see and like realize it's all computer animated and it's just amazingly shot and the cinematographer is the same as the interstellar cinematographer and james gray is the director and he's done sort of these big feeling movies like the lost city of z which everyone like celebrated as this really beautiful visual film and this story of a sad man looking for something to care about so it all sort of coalesced in an interesting way for me so i definitely enjoyed it 
Yeah. I mean, that opening scene, yeah, where he's on that telescope and then it explodes and he falls off and he has and he's like spinning through the air Mm. and trying to keep from passing out because he knows that once he gets low enough, then he can use his parachute to like land on the earth. It it was all just so it was bonkers. Well shot and very beautiful. <laughs> An interesting thing, though, about this movie is its path to the theater. Because I don't know if you remember this or not, mm-hmm. but this was initially supposed to come out back in January. They had yeah. like shot it all and they'd sh- given it test screenings and people had hated it. So they mm-hmm. spent $20 million more million to do reshoots, but Brad Pitt couldn't come to the reshoots. So, I mean, that just... that right there in and of itself just like reeks of oh this is going to be a bad movie that's sort of cobbled together (laughs) whenever you hear these stories about like extreme reshoots that are taking place you just know that it's going to be that it's that the movie's going to feel disjointed and and with brad pitt not being there it's like well what exactly are you reshooting because he's not like he's not going to be in it (laughs) right i mean the movie is all him for the most part So so they pushed it back from January to May and everyone was like, oh, they bumped it back. This is going to be bad. And also like bumping it back to May is like this. That's kind of a weird time for this movie to come out. And then miraculously, like a couple months before May, it got bumped back to October. Mm-hmm. And that is is strange because on one hand, when you bump a movie back, that's a bad sign. But also if you're bumping it back into award season, then that also signals like, well, maybe there's something here yeah. that the that the production company thought, oh, initially we didn't think this was an awards play, but now maybe it is for some reason. But watching it, I didn't necessarily think it seemed super sloppy. I don't yeah. know. I thought it all like real I it was all very artistically put together it didn't seem like bohemian rhapsody last year where you're like (laughs) what is going on no for sure it sort of reminded me of brad pitt's other near disaster world war z which for all its flaws ended up being like a very well received and well-regarded zombie movie and it had the same issues where it had to do serious reshoots everyone thought it was garbage they thought it would tank and then it turned out to be a huge moneymaker and critically acclaimed to a degree that I remember. And so I was, it was like sort of weird that this keeps happening to Brad, poor guy. But I, I mean, I think it was sort of the same thing where they just needed the kick in the butts to be like, you know what, what we have right now isn't working. Like let's funnel it a few million and try to salvage something we believe in. Cause you could see that, that there was a lot of energy put into this story and especially the visualization of it. But what do you think was bad about the first one that they reshot so much? Do you think the first <laughs> one was like less artistic and they or it was or it was less actiony? Like do you think they added the action sequences <laughs> or do you think they added more of the artistry? I think I don't know. This is the other question I have is who gets to be in these test audiences? Because I would love to do that. I would love to be like, this movie sucks. Like, go do this, you know? But so depending on what type of audience they're cornering, it seems like the things that would be easiest to shoot without Brad Pitt would probably be some of the... Well, I don't know, because the action sequences all sort of happen in the first half. And it's all building towards sort of getting Brad Pitt alone on this on this sad boy journey to find his father. So it wouldn't make sense if they had to add that. I don't know. This is all very interesting. Maybe they'll release a director's cut of the first (laughs) 
the first draft. Yeah, yeah, the bad version just to see how <laughs> like, see? good the new version is. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, there's the big opening sequence where he falls off the telescope, and that feels like it would have had to have been there initially. Then there's the sequences where he's being told that he's going on this mission, which is mm-hmm. just him, so those couldn't have been reshot. I mean, I guess maybe like maybe they added the moon pirates bit or that was the best part. But that yeah, that was really good. And also, I mean, it's very like the whole plot, again, relies sort of on that. And then also on on the stuff on the way to Mars. I mean, first of all, the movie is a lot of voiceover. Like even when he's on screen, he's sort of narrating the entire movie. And so it's a lot of in his head, which I imagine they could have him do without having to be on site. So maybe it was a lot of that to kind of round out what was happening on screen because without the narration, you really don't have a logical story sometimes, or it didn't feel fully fleshed out. And it all sort of, it was sort of interesting because watching it, it felt sort of like, like a more serious hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy where it was like these vignettes of experiences and characters. And he was going from like weird place to weird place. And it was just showing a little bit more of this world. And so it didn't like have that emotional core without his voiceover work, you know? Well, and it's an interesting movie because it is Brad Pitt's movie 100%. Yeah. It follows him. You don't really get scenes that are focused on any of the side characters. A lot of the side characters are played by kind of no-name actors because they're really only in small bits of the movie because they're not so much characters in and of themselves as just things that are going to affect Brad Pitt in various Mm -hmm. ways. So it is an interesting... uh, dynamic there and the voiceover because he has to give kind of these like psychological reports where he talks about his feelings and so I think the conceit is that the voiceover is kind of like those or what he's thinking out in Mm -hmm. space alone because he is also alone for a big chunk of the movie yeah I don't know Uh, did that work for you all of the voiceover because it worked for me I thought it was effective I thought that and the the moody music and the shots (laughs) I was like okay I can talk about whatever I'm into it I I think, and it was a weird movie because part of me really loved it. But then by the end, I was sort of like tired of it. I was like, okay, we get it. Like your dad left you when you were a kid to go on this mission and you're burdened by the same toxic masculinity he carried. And it's sort of this statement on like how men are forced to feel this like mantle of of providing for a family or not being an emotional part of a family, but instead like holding up the house, so to speak, and and languishing under this and not being able to explore anything else. And so his marriage, Brad Pitt's marriage falls apart. And like he goes, as he gets closer to his father, he gets less of an idea of what's reality and like what he truly remembers about his father. And if he was as good and as loving as he held on to his whole life. And so I don't know, I think it did become a little heavy handed towards the end, but I was like glad that the message was basically like, oh, wow, like we should talk about our feelings more and be more honest about our needs more and like trust people more. And so I was okay with it in the end, but it did feel a little slow at parts for me. Yeah, well, the first half is so action packed Mm -hmm. because you have the the telescope thing and then they get to the moon and there's the moon pirate sequence, which was just amazing and so 
beautiful to watch because it's like the very black sky and the very white moon and these like rovers that are kind of moving almost like in slow motion a little bit mm-hmm. because they're not that fast. Mm-hmm. And it's all of these people in kind of these clunky space suits, but they're doing battle yeah. at the same time. Oh, man, I just want a whole movie like about the moon pirates. Like I really do. I just the whole moon sequence was one of my favorites because he's like, it's sort of this joke where we're so far advanced that we can finally travel to the moon, but it's just we're just taking our same baggage with us. So there's a subway on the moon and there's mm-hmm. a DHL and stuff. And it's just like we can't get away from our own like toxicity. And then on top of that, there's these battling people like fighting over land on the moon face. And I just thought that was such an interesting world and I just wanted like a whole spin-off series about it and I just thought it was such an interesting world first of all but also a very clever way to kind of share that part of the themes that um the director wanted to explore and it was just like it was the best part of the movie for me hands down the world building is really well done. You mm-hmm. get a very strong sense of what this world looks like, you know, 100 years in the future or whatever it is, where we've like colonized and sort of commercialized the moon and mm-hmm. Mars and this intergalactic travel. And we're still like looking for people on other planets, but we know so much more about our solar system and can travel it so much quicker. But then we yeah. get to this this sequence that I... It was... It was like the most shocking thing that I have yeah. seen recently where Brad or yeah, Brad Pitt's spaceship is flying from the moon to Mars. And along the way, they run into this, I think, like Swedish maybe spaceship yeah. that is transmitting like a an SOS. Yeah. And so they say, OK, well, under law, we have to stop and try to help these people. And Brad Pitt's like, no, don't like we need to keep going. And they're like, no, we have to. So they pull over and Brad Pitt and one <laughs> other guy kind of like float over to the other spaceship and they're going through looking for the crew and they can't find the crew. And then and so they decide to split up, which always a bad decision Mm -hmm. in movies. And Brad Pitt then is is radioing the other man who's with him and he's not answering. And Brad Pitt's like, oh, my gosh, what happened to this guy? So we get this shot of Brad Pitt coming, like floating through this empty space station into this scene. And we see the back of his partner's <laughs> spacesuit, And you can tell sort of that he's like dead or whatever. I mean, he's just like hanging limply in the air. And then the spacesuit gets pushed over and floating there in front of him eating the face of the partner <laughs> is one of the lab baboons that was mm-hmm. that, that oh, was man. brought on the sweetest ship and so then brad pitt has to fight against these baboons that are trying to eat him and i was like nightmare. who 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 thought this up but it was <laughs> glorious it was so weird and so perfect and i loved it and yeah. that was the moment that i was truly sold on this movie i was like anything that's willing to go this bizarre oh, just really. in the middle of like a fairly standard I mean, not standard <laughs> but like like th- it was so out of left field uh, i loved it yeah no it was great and then and then that's when for me it kind of like i i felt like those scenes and there's also like this weird tangential story of like the guy who first comes with him to mars is like oh like i knew your father like they're not telling you something and so it felt like they were trying to seed this sort of very hollywood mystery and i kept waiting for this big reveal or this big conspiracy or some sort of like twist but it ended up like 
never happening. And once they get to Mars, he gets through to his father, but then he gets mad because they won't let him talk to his father. Like he just sends out a signal call and then they're like, you're done. Bye. And that's when I lost it because it was like they decided that they were going to send the pilot and his crew without him um, to go find his father. And he knows, I think, that they're just going to nuke the spaceship because of these plasma rays or whatever. But then he decides with the help of the Mars sort of community leader that he's going to sneak onto the ship and go with them. But I didn't understand why or to what end or why he felt the need to go. Like, And then on top of that, it takes this dark turn where, like, spoiler alert, all three people on the ship are like, you're not supposed to be here. Get off or we will kill you. Like, that's our that's our orders. And through some series of events, he ends up killing all three of them. And I was like, dude, like they were just doing their jobs and you just murdered them and we're supposed to like be okay with this? Like, I don't know. That was a weird step for me. That's the one part, not that scene. I mean, that scene was clearly always in the movie. Right. But like the kind of mechanics of how, of why he goes to his father by himself is is a little wonky. Because obviously for the plot of the movie, it's all about Brad Pitt dealing with right. his father. So he needs to go and he needs to go alone so that he can confront his father. But the mechanics of getting yeah. in there is a little bit tricky. The The thing with with Tommy Lee Jones's character, the father, and that is that Brad Pitt is receiving information like only in chunks. Yeah. Where because initially he thinks his father is dead, right? Mm-hmm. Or is like missing. Yeah. And then they tell him, no, we think he's alive. We think that he's actually out here by Neptune. And we need you to send a signal to him to see if he'll respond, right. which feels sort of strange. And then he gets a piece of information saying, well, Maybe your father is doing this on purpose. Maybe he is the cause of this. And that's and and there's like a nefarious element to it. Mm-hmm. And that's why your help is needed. But then once he gets to Mars, he gets this information from the Mars community leader, who's played by Ruth Nega, that his father was like so obsessed with this extraterrestrial life that when the expedition got out to Neptune and realized there was nothing there, he refused to leave and started killing off members of his own expedition who wanted to leave until we get to the point at the end where he's the only one there. And when Brad Pitt comes upon him, he's just like, again, so fixated on finding this other extraterrestrial life that he has like, killed everybody who he actually knows and has completely separated himself from his wife and from his kid all for this quest that turns out to be nothing Mm -hmm. and i don't know i sort of liked that last i liked the brad pitt tommy lee jones interactions at the end i guess it was just that weird little blip sort of in between (laughs) of like how he gets on the spaceship and then him on the spaceship getting to tommy lee jones that was sort of like wonky yeah, no, I mean, I ended up really liking the messaging because usually space movies go the opposite direction where it's like, you know, they're searching for this bigger understanding, this hope for something more. And like with Arrival or Contact, it's always like, or even Interstellar, there's like this idea that in our search for discovery, like the most human part of us, we can then find this higher power, this higher knowledge through these alien life forms that can like save us or whatever but here it like totally turns it on its head and it's like you know what there isn't anyone else out here it is just us and we have to be okay with that and I thought that was like 
such an interesting twist for the movie to take. And like to go from that like big scope to such a ultra personal like space was really interesting. And it was echoed in sort of the finale where he ends up, you know, just back on earth, like in a small cafe, like waiting to meet up with his ex-wife again. And it was just like to go from these sweeping images of the world and the solar system and these planets to just ending on this like very small scale, just totally turned the space movie genre on its head. I felt like in a really interesting way. Yeah. And I, and it really also tied together Brad Pitt's like emotional struggle where the whole time he's trying to repress these emotions to be more like his dad or to, just not have to encounter the feelings that his dad abandoned him. Mm -hmm. And then once he gets out there and experiences his father and his father says, you know, I would rather just like die out here in space than to have to go back to Mm -hmm. anything. Like I can't go back to earth. And Brad Pitt has to realize, okay, I by disconnecting myself and by being such a good astronaut have basically been doing the same thing as my father. And instead I need to open up about my emotions and realize that the things that matter are my relationships with other people. It's not like the work that I'm doing. And so he has to go back and face that on earth with his wife which I thought was a really like perfect you know circle from the beginning scene of the movie where he's on that telescope that's being destroyed and he is purposefully like not letting his heart go above a certain number and is like repressing all of those Mm -hmm. emotions so yeah no I think it was really cool and the director even said something like his whole point was like to ask not like what is out there but to just say like there's nothing out there and like nothing's gonna save us we're all we've got so what are you gonna do with that and like his general he wanted to be like the point was to show that human connection is everything and so i think they did a really they worked well around that premise i thought like yes some of the relationship of this man and son was a little cliche it was a little on the nose the voiceovers could be a lot of a lot but it ultimately gave its message very well and it did it while (laughs) dismantling toxic masculinity, which I think is a very antithesis maybe of First Man or any of these other space movies where we see these sad men going to space and like realizing like that is their powers, that they were able to do this great thing and push further and farther than anyone before them. And here it's like, oh, wait, no, I screwed everything up. Like I'm going to restart. Well, let's not lump <laughs> first man in there because I think that that is actually a very nuanced film as well. You just yeah, didn't, yeah. you know, completely understand right, all the points. Right. Of course. Um, let's talk about how this movie has done, though. Mm-hmm. So it it was made for a hundred million dollars. It opened to only nineteen million dollars. So I think some people are again comparing it to First Man of like these big, beautiful like sort of not that emotional, but very emotionally repressed space mm-hmm. dramas. And it got an 83% with the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, but only a 41% audience score. Mm. So I don't know. There, It feels like it's like doing okay, but not great. And I wonder how you think that's going to translate over to like the Oscar conversation. Because, you know, Brad Pitt is already sort of in the conversation for Once Upon yeah. a Time in Hollywood. Like this movie was really beautiful. Like what do you think is going to happen? I think this is only in the running for the technical stuff. Like I don't even think it would get Best Director, maybe Cinematographer, but even like Brad Pitt. Like I don't know about Brad Pitt. I'm not sold on him as a good actor. Um, he does the good dead eyes here, I guess. So that's something. But I would say 
they made a good movie and they did it in spite of everyone thinking they couldn't. So that should be enough for them. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that this is going to win much of anything or even be nominated for very much stuff. But I do think that Brad Pitt is already the front runner and best supporting right. actor for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I think that people seeing this and liking him in this and saying, oh, he's a good actor mm-hmm. in this as well, will just bolster his yeah. chances there. So I think that he does have a very strong chance of winning for well, that. Well, maybe um, Liv Tyler could possibly swing a supporting actress for this. Like, what do you think? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Her yes. two minutes she, of she, screen uh, time. Let's see. She walked into a diner <laughs> yeah. and she also recorded some bits on her phone that they used. Yeah. So No, it was crazy that she got fourth billing in this movie. It's like, clearly she does not give a damn. She's like, you know what? You want me? Sure. But I'm going on the I'm going to make it onto the the poster for this for sure. For my three minutes of dialogue, maybe three minutes. I honestly don't think it even hit that mark. I mean, she is like the most famous person on there after Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee yeah. Well and Donald Sutherland. I guess <laughs> yeah. he's more famous than she is. Yeah. And also the very strange Natasha Leone <laughs> appearance for all of three seconds. When she yeah. showed up on Mars, I was like, oh, this she she must have some kind of character arc. Mm-hmm. Nope. She's just the just person checking people in yeah. on Mars. Yeah. <laughs> She's making that transition from TV to movie. This is her moment. I was like, is she... I was like, is she? Was she dating Brad Pitt? <laughs> was she dating Tommy Lee Jones? Maybe like, she's just talented. Is Matt? her sister the director? Oh my word! Right, but why was she there for like nothing? Someone you know has what to I mean? play that like, part. Did- Maybe it was before her Netflix show shot her up into popularity. Would you have known her if you hadn't seen that show? Well, she was on Orange Is the New Black for a bunch of seasons, mm. which I never watched, wow. but. Well, maybe you should just allow women to succeed without questioning why they managed to do it. Okay, okay. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. That's a way to twist this. Um, I would say see this now. See it in IMAX if you can. If you you have stubs, you can see it that way. I think also this is another artisan. Oh, it is. Yeah, for sure. And it probably deserves that mark, you know, because like it's just like that movie like it's right on par with like Downton Abbey and um Downton Abbey um, what else made the film. artisan film mm. list I don't I don't remember uh ready or not ready or, ready not. or not yeah was an for sure film. so like if you enjoyed those you'll definitely enjoy this movie three very similar movies <laughs> yeah you can see why they got that artisan tag but for real like I think you know it was a good time. I know my friend went and saw it and she did not like it at all. So it is sort of an interesting movie to wonder like, yeah, (laughs) what makes someone like it? And I would say like some good comps, obviously is gravity, which was the Sandra Bullock, sad woman in space movie, which has a lot of similar themes to this one. And I loved that one. I just thought it was so good, but this one definitely has more of the action from like interstellar or, I don't know, some fun space movie. <laughs> Gravity <laughs> is so like high anxiety. The entire yeah. time is just like you're clenched. That's and true. this definitely does not have that feeling. Yeah. So I I did not enjoy Sandra Bullock being like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm low on oxygen. <laughs> it's like Haters uh, girl, hate. shut your mouth for five seconds. <laughs> Save some oxygen. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it falls in line with the sad people in space. You have um, Interstellar. Actually, 
basically all of Ocean's Eleven is making their way into the solar system. I said this. Yeah, yes. There's um, Matt the Martian Damon in The Martian. Yeah. George Clooney was in Gravity. So maybe he'll get his yes. big moment later. And now Brad Pitt, you know, rounding out the trio. Has has my problematic fave Casey Affleck oh been in a please no in an outer space I movie? I feel know. like he hasn't, but I he would be so good. He would. Be I great. honestly forgot um, he was in Ocean's Eleven until this moment. <laughs> who else is in Ocean's Eleven? I could see Julia um, Roberts. Oh my gosh, I would love Saul in a <laughs> outer space. Just yeah, Lyman Zero. Yeah, maybe that can be, be Ocean's Fourteen. They're just like, screw it, we're going to space. Ocean's Fourteen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and Sandra Bullock. She was in an outer space movie. When was Sandra Bullock? She's Danny in? Ocean's sister. Oh, okay. Well, in Ocean's yeah, eight. yeah, you're right. And Anne Hathaway was in Interstellar, <laughs> and she was in Ocean's Eight. Was Slowly Kate but surely. ever in a space movie? Maybe she it feels like she could be. She could. She could be like um, a, like an alien we find who's just perfect. Don Cheadle would be good in a space movie. <laughs> Anyone could do a space that. movie. Who's next? The Asian acrobat. He could be in one. <laughs> yeah. The point is, you know, this was Brad Pitt's moment, and he did he did good. He was probably the best of the three, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I definitely think so. And I guess Matt Damon was also in Interstellar. So oh, that's right. Oh, um, I'm really gunning for that. Winners and losers? Yes. yes. I have uh, them. Okay, good. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Cue, cue the music. The, music. <laughs> the winner for this week is Applebee's. <laughs> Does anyone truly love Applebee's? Not only is it not a genuinely good restaurant, but it is also not even ironically good or trashy good. <laughs> you don't go to Applebee's for the same reason you go to Popeye's or Olive Garden. Applebee's is the Kmart of dining chains, in my opinion. And I believed that we would soon not have them anymore. And yet, here we are in the near future with Applebee's on the moon. Against all odds, it not only survived, but thrived, franchising out to another planet and buying impressive marquee space for incoming Earth dwellers. We'd never have guessed, but Applebee's, you're the winner. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know if I've ever like been to Applebee's. Like, I, my family always went to Chili's when we had to do something like that, and I don't know if I've ever been to Applebee's. Applebee's is like aggressively fine. It's it's <laughs> they have like ev- literally everything. Yeah, but it's not it's not like that good but it's also not so bad it's good you know what i mean (laughs) like cracker barrel is like fantastic it's not like high dining but like you go to cracker barrel for a thing but what does applebee's have like burgers well you can get better burgers other places there's not like a thing that you would go to (laughs) applebee's they don't have like a blooming onion or something like a fried no onion blossom no they don't have like Mm. a signature a signature dish well, well, well. Well, they must have paid a pretty penny to be in this movie just to try and up their game a little yeah. bit in today's world. But As a former fat kid, I really liked the <laughs> uh, fettuccine Alfredo that Applebee's had. But oh, really? looking back on that, I feel like that cannot have been good. The best fettuccine Alfredo is Olive Garden. Like, that's all I'll get there oh, now. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's Now I want Olive Garden. <laughs> I want those breadsticks, my gosh. Yeah. Come back up here and visit me, Shelby, and we can go to the Times oh, Square Olive Garden. I've been okay. there before. I'll go back again. But it's more expensive. Um, so. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Why don't you come here and we'll go to a real one? Okay, sounds $9 good. $9 fettuccine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yum. 
Um, okay, <sighs> losers. The losers this week are astronauts. Anyone who has seen a single space movie knows that the job of astronaut is one fraught with danger. Ships explode on the launch pad, run out of oxygen, and collide with meteorites on a daily basis. But that's all theatrics, right? In the near future of boring commercial space travel, we're safe, right? Wrong. Your ship could be hit with a mysterious power surge. You could be shot by a laser gun by a moon pirate. You could be asphyxiated during a liftoff shootout. And worst of all, you could have your face eaten off by a baboon. Space is dangerous. Avoid at all costs so you don't end up a loser. (laughs) That's fair. Would you go to space if you had the chance? No, absolutely not. Oh, really? Not even to the moon with the Applebee's? No. No, that I mean, in every space circumstance, like so many things go wrong. And just if you look at the like a number of astronauts that the United States has sent into space, (laughs) like the number of them who have died is extremely high. Like it's a very (laughs) high percentage, you know, but it's getting better, you know. Is it? I don't think we've launched anybody in a while. <laughs> and that chance. one spaceship blew up like when I was a child. You know what I mean? Oh, like it yeah. wasn't that long ago. And yeah. and I remember people, somebody found a head in the backyard. Oh my so gosh. I don't that sounds be a like head. a fake story that your mom No, that was you. a real thing. I swear. Like they, people found <laughs> limbs of the people in that spaceship. That's literally like inconceivable to me. Like not to get into it, but like the heat and the speed at which they were going and the height at which they reached. Like you wouldn't have a full flesh of a head or an arm or a leg i don't know it was debris (laughs) they found physical body debris of the people on the spaceship i swear okay well because it because it blew up on re-entry you know what i mean no it blew up like it bursted in the air no that was a different one shelby there has been two Okay. The Challenger blew up on the launch. The Columbia blew up in the air. And then there was another one that they mentioned in Ocean, or not Oceans, my gosh, Apollo 13, (laughs) where the people couldn't get the door open and so they burnt to death on the launch pad. And then Apollo 13 didn't go well. And I watched (laughs) First Man last year and a bunch of people died in that. So you're right. You're right. Better stay safe. And I could Um, be eaten by one of the monkeys on board. So. Yeah, that's fair. Well, that was my first uh, rapid fire question. So would I would you go to space? <laughs> I mean, I think I would. You no, know, just Shelby. to visit the moon like they did. It was very commercialized. It was Virgin Airlines. So maybe not just for that reason. But it didn't seem like that was another question I had was like, the cost and like value like, this is like still a lot of machinery to get one spaceship yes. launched into space. Yes. So like how many people are touring it? And it just seems like a waste of a lot of materials and energy to get five people to the moon in one launch. Maybe that was like first class or... I feel like at this period of time, though, in this movie, it would be equivalent to like taking the Titanic, you know, like going back and forth from Europe to America. Like you don't do it a lot. You just like do it once, maybe or like a couple times in your life. My question is, which airline would you trust to fly you to the moon? Southwest. A hundred percent. I'm Southwest. Pick your own seat, everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Get in line. Yeah. No, for sure, Southwest or JetBlue, but I haven't had the opportunity to fly. With I JetBlue love JetBlue. Mm, yeah. JetBlue, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's 
I, I'll tell you what, I would not be flying anything that's going out of LaGuardia. Yeah, for no, sure. No one needs that risk. Um, what sad man in space would you most like to be stuck with? You know, like oh, the Martian or Gravity question. or Interstellar yeah, or First Man. <laughs> which one of them was the most fun? I mean, Anne Hathaway played played sad woman in space in Interstellar, <laughs> yeah, so I think I you would maybe be pick stuck her. With her. Um, but I feel coming. like Matt Damon in The Martian was like the funnest person yeah. who would be outer space. Or no, 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 no. I no Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. That's oh, who okay. is, you would be. That's who you'd be in space with. <laughs> See, if it was like. I think the Martian would be best because he's very smart. So like in any disaster scenario, he could literally grow plants out of the infertile earth. Yeah. The poop of his fellow (laughs) men or whatever. So I guess I'd rather have that on board, but I'd really rather not spend that much time with Matt Damon. So it's hard to say. It's, it's, it's a tricky question. Um, (laughs) Which member of the Lord of the Rings cast would you be most likely to marry and then leave alone on earth for a prolonged period of time? (laughs) Oh, let's see. I think I'd be most likely to marry. I loved Boromir, but he died. So <laughs> I guess I well, would we're settle talking about for the actors. Oh, okay. Okay. Actors. The, okay. Sean Bean is still alive. You're right. Okay. So then actor wise, I would probably do um, Elijah Wood, I guess. I, he seems nice, but like boring enough that weird. I'd leave. You know, <laughs> does he seem weird? Why? I don't know. I th- I just get a weird vibe. From him. <laughs> I feel Your like friend. if you want nice and boring, you pick Sean Astin. Yeah, but Elijah Wood is cuter. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's <laughs> need a need a few good years to pine after. You know, to question oh. if it was all worth it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who would you choose? Would you do uh, Awen or Arwen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like for female cast members, it's not many to choose from. Um. I mean, Liv Tyler is strange for me. So I think I would... You know who I'd take? Give me uh, Kate Blanchett mm, as creepy, solid. weird Galadriel. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good choice. I might switch to her, too, honestly. Mm-hmm. That's a really good choice. You know, choice. she was a lesbian in Carol, so it, it so, works. <laughs> so she'll be fine with it. Uh-huh. Uh, um, what is your favorite space book or movie? Oh, gosh. That's a tough question. I mean, I loved first man mm. so you that's in there you did um space jam <laughs> if we're counting that that's a good yeah, movie love the star wars movies that. the Muppets star wars the phantom menace yeah <laughs> star wars a phantom menace that's my favorite okay that's for sure sad. and i'm not joking that's 100 yeah, real and the best star wars movie <laughs> we haven't had the chance to get into that i think on we any of these will. podcasts yeah but sooner or later and, uh, we will We'll just keep that on the DL. When I pick Natalie Portman for one of my (laughs) birthday episodes, we'll have to discuss Phantom Menace. Okay, fine. Or if you decide you want to pick Hayden Christensen for one of your episodes. You know, I did see that movie he was in, Shattered Glass. I don't think anyone else in the world has seen that. Um, But we owned it on DVD. He plays like a reporter who... um, who, It turns out he had been lying about a lot of the stories he was writing. And um, mm. it's real bad. He's not a good actor, you guys. I don't know if you're aware, but... <laughs> I didn't think he was bad in Jumper. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe he got better. I don't know his timeline there. Um, my favorite space story, though, if you're interested, is probably... Oh, yeah. 
probably arri- Arrival. I really loved that. Oh, Arrival is so good. That's also a really good answer. But if I have to go to space, I did just actually read Artemis by the guy who wrote The Martian. And it was strangely very engaging. It's like a it's like a heist story that takes place on the moon. And it's what I was thinking of during the moon pirate scene. And I was like, I really want a movie of this because it's just makes it such an interesting world. All the like gravity rules and all the like in space, you can't hear people scream. I don't know. I just I think it'd be such a fun place. We need more moon movies, you know. And I know that Ready Player One isn't, I guess, technically (laughs) an outer space movie, but it's like in the virtual world. They're like going to different planets or whatever at all. I, I, well, I loved Ready Player One, the book. So (laughs) there, I'll just throw that out there. Nice plug. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I'm being, I'm being paid product placement. (laughs) What's his face with his weird DeLorean machine. The (laughs) author sent me a check for 20 bucks and was like, could you mention this on your podcast, please? I said, of course, sir. Uh, um, He's supposedly writing a sequel because he wrote a second book afterwards that did really poorly, and they mm-hmm. were like, "Maybe we just wrote a sequel to that one." So it's I supposedly sad. it's coming out at some point. Well, yeah, it won't we'll be. See. It will be bad, but whatever. <laughs> I'll read it anyways. I hope it's like takes place in the nineties. Like they, it's like a girl version, and it's like all about memorizing Clueless and like the Spice Girls. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, I'd be into That's that. That's what I would love. Ooh. I would also love a like early 2000s one where they have to <laughs> recite Big Fat Liar and Spy Kids and, yeah. you know, Disney and like, Channel And, like, type on movies. the T9, like, keyboard behind your back and, like, send yes. full messages to your friends. Like, kids mm-hmm. these days could not do that. So, yes. it's nope. a lost nope. skill. <laughs> uh, perform, like, full episodes of That's So Raven. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah It'd discuss all the boxcar children books mm-hmm. plot lines mm-hmm. like good luck mm-hmm. we'll we'll send an email back to him telling him giving him some of those ideas yes. <laughs> yes. yeah 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 well i'm i'm in regular communication yeah, so yeah, they, yeah. just let easy. him know well uh do you have anything else this week i think that that's no, all about that's everything it. i have yeah. some good stuff well Follow us on social media. We're at PSU Wrong. Leave us a review mm-hmm. on Apple Podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. Next week, what are we talking about next week? Oh boy, we're getting into toxic masculinity again with the Joker. Oh my gosh, no. it's happening. Ugh. I forgot. It's I had happening. To see that if this I have weekend. to watch it, you kill have me, to watch kill it. Me, kill me, <laughs> kill me, kill me now. <laughs> What a disaster. Yeah. Um, That's something to look forward to. And the weeks are getting, you know, there's a lot of good stuff coming out. So it's time to get on board with PS You're Wrong and leave us a review and motivate us to continue on through these through these overstuffed times coming our way. And we're prepping for the much anticipated, mm. highly lauded mm. fall TV pilot ranking. I have watched some of the pilots and I'm excited to I'm talk about say, them. I think it's a better selection than last year. So I'm very stoked. I've only watched two and one of them was horrific. So <laughs> no spoilers. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be. Well, good. I'm not going to tell you which one. <laughs> mm. Um, but okay, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye.